this is your first time here, maybe it's been a long time, just want to say welcome. Um, my name's Josh, I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, it is our privilege to host you today. And it is our prayer that you would take some steps to become a part of our family because we love what's happening here at Greenville First. And, uh, and we would love for you to join into the family and uh, go on this journey with us. I, I do want to remind you, if you haven't uh, taken the initiative, taken that first step to hop into growth track, uh, there is no better week. We don't have a specific order. You have to go in. But I think the best order is, uh, is one, two, three, four, because that's how we count. And, uh, and so anyways, today's week one. And, uh, and so we'd love for you, if you haven't attended Growth Track, right after service, Growth Track is our opportunity to help you become a part of making the difference here at Greenville First. And so step one, uh, we just give you a lot of information about the church and how we function and, and where we're going a little little bit of our story and so we would love to invite you to be a part of that it's right after service in our growth track room which is to my right your left is your exiting out uh, we do have snacks there's child care provided so no excuse why you can't uh, be a part and uh, last week we graduated a great uh, group of you from growth track and step forward we we kind of call it graduation because it gives you the opportunity to hop in. Now you get to hop onto a dream team and help make a difference here at Greenville First. Um, and then I also want to just give a little shout out to some of our students who um, we have this wonderful thing that's a part of the Assemblies of God called Fine Arts. Uh, and I say it's a wonderful thing because that's really where Brittany and I uh, started dating and talking and uh, now two kids and uh, a bunch of years of marriage later, um, you know, fine arts is near and dear to my heart. So, uh, all no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to give dating advice. Pastor Dustin has already corrected all that uh, this past month. But congrats to our students who went down. Uh, we had a group of them that advanced the National uh, Fine Arts Festival, which will happen in Columbus, Ohio, uh, later this summer. And so, um, congrats on all of that. And uh, if you're a parent, yeah, we can give it up for them. I love, one of the parents had posted, uh, I, I guess a congrats or whatever, I was reading through Facebook and, and had to explain the whole concept of human video and what that is. Uh, and so if you've never seen one, um, you could probably use a little explanation uh, as well, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, if this is your first time here, or maybe you haven't been here for the first couple of weeks, we're picking up in our series, Running with the Giants, uh, this um, this little-known author, uh, John Maxwell, uh, he, uh, he wrote a series of books um, called Running with the Giants, and, uh, and it's really just this whole concept that uh, we, are, we are running a race of life, and all of these heroes of the faith are in the stands. They're watching us run our, our race of life, and if they could hop down and run one lap with us, what would they say? And so it's really just some practical application. Um, and the verse that, that kind of we, we've used is our theme verse. Uh, and so if you've been here for the first two weeks, um, you should have it memorized by now, but it's Hebrews 12, 1. Uh, and it says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Now, we haven't really camped on this scripture much other than just to say, hey, this is our theme verse. This is kind of where the concept for this running with giants comes from. Um, but I, want, I, I just want to bring out two things of this scripture today. The first is the recognition when it says, 
since there are you know, a, a great cloud of witnesses, since we're, since we're surrounded, let us throw everything off. So here's the, what I think the author of Hebrews is recognizing for our life. If we've got to throw something off to run the race with perseverance, it is an acknowledgement that life is not always easy. That there are challenges that we are faced with in this life. And because we're surrounded by these people that have gone before us, we can throw it off and we can run the race with perseverance. So I think sometimes it is healthy for us to understand that the Bible is not just acknowledging all the high points of our life, that also it acknowledges that we are walking through struggles and that life does not always look easy. The second piece of this scripture that we're actually going to focus on a little bit today is this concept of perseverance. This idea that you have to hang in there. It may take a while because perseverance is not to be taken lightly. And as we talk about the story of Sarah and the giant of Sarah today, this is going to be extremely practical to all of us here. So week one, we talked about Noah, and if Noah could say one thing to us, he would say one person can make a difference. Last week, we talked about Isaiah, and Isaiah would say an encounter with God can change anything. And today, we're going to focus on the life of Sarah. And I... I I think there's several moments, and some of you are probably sitting here and saying, well, how, how are we talking about Sarah, this giant of the faith? If you're familiar with the story of Sarah, you realize that she really doubted, t- took things into her own hands in her life and created a bunch of trouble because of it. But isn't that the story of many of our lives? The great thing about Sarah is that most of us can relate to her because Sarah received a promise from God, but... Her life felt like it was going in the opposite direction. And we're going to turn our attention to Genesis 15, 1 through 6. It's going to give us a little background and some substance for this story and looking at the life of Sarah. Genesis 15, starting in verse 1, says this, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Now, I I want you to, to, to see some importance here because in Scripture, you're going to hear Abram uh, that later is known as... Abraham, and you're going to hear uh, Sariah uh, or Sarai, um, and later we know her is Sarah. And here's the, the, the whole concept behind their, their name change. If you actually begin to look into some of the language study here, I believe that there's something that's very important uh, that can speak to us today, and that's that The more they began to look like God and less like themselves, they moved from Abram to Abraham and from Sariah to Sarah. And you may say, well, Pastor, why why is that significant? And that is because the the term or the language, the word ha, is, is actually a derivative of a Hebrew verb, which means to be or become. And God's name in the Old Testament is, is found in, in literal translation, I will be what I will be. There is a connection to this ha is oftentimes associated with the very nature of God. So as Abram and Sariah began to look less like themselves and more like God, transformation took place. And it continues in, in verse 1, do not be afraid. See, oftentimes when God speaks to people through Scripture, Old and New Testament, we find this this language, do not be afraid. 
Now, to me, I don't know about you, I have a, two boys, five and three. If I look at them and, and start the whole conversation with do not be afraid, that probably means what they are about to experience could initiate some fear in their life. That it may not be easy what we're about to do. It may be difficult. There may be some challenges. But he looks at Abram and he says, do not be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Now God is about to initiate a, a, a promise to him, but this is 25 years before they will experience the promise. During this conversation, Abram is actually in childbearing. Uh, they are in childbearing years. Him and Sariah, they are in child. They could become pregnant. But 25 years later, it'll be a different circumstance. But see, if it's not now and it's later, God always has a reason behind it. There are times that we try and take things into our own hands, and I'm not going to get too ahead of myself, but God's plan is always perfect in his timing. Verse 4, the, then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Now you imagine in this moment, many of us, maybe you're in here today and you're still holding on to a promise you received 25 years ago, and you're like, God, when is the now? You've birthed something, you've spoken something to me so many years ago, but I have not seen it come to pass. Many of us, we struggle with this concept of, of patience and impatience, it will threaten to overwhelm us. Impatience can threaten our life. Think about the song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. Here are a few chuckles. That means there's a few of you who listen to country music at some point in your life. And now everybody else recognizes that. But that song is, 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 I don't even know the lyrics, and it's probably bad theology, very bad theology. But needless to say, there are things in our life that if it happened on our timeline would be completely out of sort. And Sarah really struggled with this whole concept of God's timing. But at some point in her life, she began to trust God, and probably when she saw her, the promise fulfilled. But if she was standing here, if she was running a lap to us with us today, what would she say to us? And I believe she'd say this, don't complicate God's promise with your solution. Don't complicate God's promise with your solution. See, Sarah took things into her own hand. She would probably readily admit to us today that she did not trust God. That she thought God was just blowing smoke and that it was not really going to happen the way that he promised it would happen. But on the back end, I think she would give us some pointers on how we can trust God. 
why we should trust God or what should we trust God through. And the first this morning is this, trust God even if it takes a long time. Trust God even if it takes a long time. God is notoriously notoriously slow in our understanding of slowness. Think about that for a moment. God is notoriously slow in our understanding of slowness. I heard a joke once that said this. This man, he's looking at God. He says, God, what is a million seconds like to you? And God says, it's like a second. God says, uh, or the man looks at God and says, I'm totally going to butcher this joke. I'm sorry. I just realized I wrote it wrong. It's what is a million years like to you, God? And God says, like a second. Then he says, well, God, what's a million dollars like to you? And he says, like a penny. So the man says, God, can I have one of those pennies? And God said, sure, just a second. There we go. I just had to hit restart. Thank you for your grace this morning. <laughs> totally messed that up. I'm like, million seconds, like a second. What in the world? Genesis 16, verse 1 through 2 says this. Now, Sariah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having Children. Now here's the problem in the midst of this. When we struggle with impatience, all of a sudden bad theology begins to set in. Our understanding and our narrative of who God is and how he handles his promises can become very distorted. Notice that she begins to blame God for this circumstance. All through impatience. When we're struggling with impatience, we struggle with some crazy thoughts. So she looks at Abram and says, go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram agreed to what Sariah said. It's this thought, if God can't, maybe I can. You want to walk a dangerous path in your life? Begin to think, if God can't, then I can handle it in my own timing and in my own ability, my own strategy, my own solution. But if you're familiar with the historical context and the ramifications of this decision. This is where we find Ishmael was born to Abram and he is the father of the Arab nations. So in a moment, in a moment of weakness, in a moment of impatience, Sarah thinks that her solution is better than God's solution and we see a fractured and a divided family that we are still witnessing and watching the conflict from this decision today. Because the surrogate solution creates chaos. And if you process that just for a few moments, the ramifications of our solutions and our timing and our choices can create chaos and catastrophic events for years to come. Because our decisions not only affect us, they affect those around us, and in turn can affect our families and our generations. We have to get it right. The second thing is this, trust God even if it seems ridiculous. 
Trust God even if it seems ridiculous. Is, is Christ followers, if you, if you follow Jesus and you're here today, this is something that you need to become accustomed to. Because when I read through scripture, I read a lot of ridiculous accounts by logic's understanding, by, by just practical logic. A lot of things that we read through scripture would just not make normal sense. When people experience miracles, there are things that we just wouldn't naturally say, oh, I'm going to go put some mud in my eyes and then I wash it out and I can see again, you know, or I'm going to grab a hold of somebody's cloak and maybe I'll experience healing. There are some ridiculous things that have happened through scripture. But I think Sarah would look at us and say, trust God, even if it seems ridiculous. I think a lot of us just want our Christian faith to look normal. We would rather to have a, a normalized sense of understanding in our, in our faith. But if you like normal, God's going to mess up your whole thought process. Probably not once, probably not twice, but probably many times over. Why? Because there are a lot of things that we will encounter in our relationship and our faith journey with God that may seem ridiculous. But just think about the fact of miracles. Miracles aren't normal. So if we're looking for some sense of normalcy in our faith journey, we may be looking at God and saying, God, I really don't want you to do, do, to do the miraculous because it may seem ridiculous to those around me. And I don't know anybody that I've encountered that's made a decision to follow Jesus that says, I really don't want to experience the miraculous. I think for all of us, we would love to see God show up in great ways and be a part of the miracles that God intends to do even today. But if we fall into this line of thinking that we just want normal, we're going to miss out. Genesis 18, 10 through 14 says this, Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now here, Abraham at this point is 100 years old, and Sarah is 90 years old. Is there anybody here this morning that falls into that age range? If you did... Brother Richard, I see your hand back there. If you have not met Brother Richard, you're missing out on some Tootsie Rolls every Sunday morning. <laughs> Brother Richard, you'd probably have some struggle if God told you today that you're going to have more kids in your life. Amen. <laughs> and all of us, we'd probably not have an empty seat in this house if that happened. Because to our brain, this is ridiculous. This doesn't make any sense, but this was God's divine plan. And so even in the midst of it seeming ridiculous, trust God. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. She's not in the tent. She's outside. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years. Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself. As she thought, after I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? See, there's real life happening in Scripture. Because all the women in the room, if you're even close to 90 or you can see 90, you're thinking, I'd be, I'd be laughing and thinking the same thing. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Even in the midst of the ridiculous nature of this, trust God. I think about just the other day, my wife and I are building a house, and so I was there doing some work, and one of our electricians stopped me, and they know we're, we're a pastor, and so they had, him and his brother have recently moved into town, and so he just begins to ask about the church, and you know, he says, well, you know, what do y'all believe? And so I began to walk him through what we believe as a church, and, and so he said, all right, talk to me about the gifts of the Spirit. You know, and, and so I began to navigate and I began to talk through what does this look like? What, what do the gifts of the Spirit, what, what is speaking in tongues and, and how does that look like for us today? And just having a normal conversation. But if you were a bystander and you heard our conversation, you would probably say, well, some of that seems a little ridiculous. But to me, I live my life and say, God, whatever you have for me, the fullness of what you have for me, I want to experience it. And so even in the midst of things that may seem ridiculous, even to some of you who are in the room and say, well, pastor, I have questions on some of that stuff, and some of that stuff seems a little crazy and seems a little ridiculous. And here's what anybody that's ever asked me about gifts of the Spirit, and how do I experience this? My first thing is begin to ask God. Don't believe my theology, experience it, and navigate your own. Begin to ask God, God, if this is a free gift for me, I want to experience everything you have for me. I know that God is good enough to answer prayers. There are a lot of things in our mind that begin to block. And you can imagine for Abram and, 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 and Sarah in this moment, there are things that they're looking and saying, I'm 90, I'm 100 years old. God, this doesn't make sense. But I don't think any, either of them in that moment would have said, God, I know you intend to give us this gift, but we don't want it. Even in the midst of the ridiculous, trust God. The third thing, trust God, even if those around you don't. Trust God, even if those around you don't. The enemy will put naysayers and negative people all around you. I didn't hear a single amen in the room. That is, that is disturbing. There are some hidden enemies around you that are naysayers and you just haven't recognized them yet. We live in a life, in, in a society, in a culture where we are inundated with voices all around us. We have more access to outside voices into our lives than we ever have before. That's a blessing and a curse. The blessing is we can begin to challenge our thoughts. We can begin to grow if we begin to ask God. And, and we can actually, there are some very brilliant voices that we can allow to speak into us. Most of us, I'm not the only spiritual voice speaking into your life on Sundays. Why? Because you're either watching other, other pastors, you're reading other books, you're reading blogs, you're seeing what else is out there. And that is healthy. But what's not healthy is when we begin to allow negative voices to speak into our life that is, is pushing us away from what we already know as truth. But I think we have to begin to, to, to weigh, am I allowing negative voices to influence me more than positive? And that's a hard one for us to navigate. And I'm not going to go there because I feel like I could just do a rabbit trail right now. 
But there are voices out there that can begin to, to, to push you to even question the very truth that you know and have experienced. Genesis 21, 6 through 7, verse 6 says this Sarah said, God has, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And then she added, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. See, even though Sarah doubted, she still gets to experience the joy that God intended for her to experience. And see, chapter 12 of Hebrews that we set up this, this whole series with and is our theme verse, chapter 11 is the hall of fame of faith. And would you know it and would you, would you read it? I'm going to actually read it for you in Hebrews 11, 11, that it says, And by faith, even Sarah, who is past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful and had made who had made the promise. Now here, if you fast forward, if you just read that scripture, you'd say, Sarah was a woman of great faith. This is incredible. And then we go back to her story and realize that she wrestled with doubt and tried to put things into her own hands like many of us in the room today do. Yet in the midst of our doubt, in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of us making a mess of things at times, God still loves us and God still wants to fulfill his promises through us. God doesn't look at us and say, because you questioned me, because you doubted, because you didn't exercise great faith in this moment, I'm going to remove my blessing and I'm going, to, I'm going to nullify my promise. That is not the God that we serve. We serve a God whose promise is yes and amen. It is, it is to be fulfilled. If God spoke it, God can't go back on his word. God's promises are true. And as we wrap up today, I believe that Sarah would want to leave us with just a few final words of encouragement. The first is this, don't try to get ahead of God when he isn't moving fast enough for you. I'm going to say that again for the people in the back. Don't try to get ahead of God when he isn't moving fast enough for you. Don't do this. I am guilty of this. If you know anything about me, you realize that when I'm having to make a decision, I'm making three decisions beyond that decision because I want to know where we're going and the trajectory of the decisions that we're making and how we're going to get to where we need to go. I think about this even in, in, uh, a few years ago. Um, I was a youth pastor, and, uh, and we did this thing at Christmas time called Cozy Christmas, and so um, it was just a lot of fun. And I enjoy cooking, so I thought, oh, it'll be fun if, if I bake cinnamon rolls for 300 teenagers. <laughs> fun may be a bad word, but my mom was in town at the time. And uh, so I'm like, we'll do this. But I didn't want to go cook at the church. I wanted to do it at my house because that's quicker and easier. <laughs> and I needed to make the cinnamon rolls the night before and I'll put them in the fridge so it's quicker and easier tomorrow. And so I don't know how many rolls, I mean, we just had stacks and stacks of these cinnamon rolls and I thought, well, we'll just saran wrap them, put them in the fridge, they'll be good for tomorrow. Well, I don't know if you're a baker in the room and you'd just tell me that I'm really dumb for doing this, but I put all these cinnamon rolls into the fridge and I stack them nice and neat, and they're just ready. They're in log form, and we'll take them out tomorrow. We'll cut them, make the icing. It'll be great. 
And so here's what happens when we try and shortchange the process. In the middle of the night, the cinnamon rolls, the dough began to expand. Well, that expansion began to push the door of our refrigerator open. Well, I don't know what your fridge does, but when we open our fridge door, the light comes on. And so the cinnamon rolls that were next to the light began to expand and cook. And we wake up to the smell of burnt plastic because our refrigerator began to, to melt. The electrical, I mean, it, it, it ruined the refrigerator. The insurance guy who had to come and make sure everything was good said, you, you were so blessed that your house didn't catch fire because of what had taken place. Now, I stand here today, and I'm like, thank goodness, Cohen was a little baby, like, you know, oh my gosh, I tried to shortchange just for a moment, and I could have burned our house down. Well, we can laugh about it today, and I don't think I've made cinnamon rolls since that moment. But when we try to shortchange what God is intending to do, if it's in our timing, we mess everything up. Just because it's taking a while, just because God isn't moving fast enough doesn't give us permission to stop trusting him. We have to be careful in our impatience that we don't make decisions we'll regret. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. He is patient. But what do I do in the meantime? God's given me this promise and I just feel like I'm in the waiting. I feel like my life may be moving in an opposite direction. I think we find the secret of patience is doing something different in the meantime. Psalm 37.7 in the New Living Translation says this, Be still in the, very, in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Brittany and I started a book this past week that we're reading together called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Some of you need to buy this book and read it. (laughs) If you know anything about us, this is, I'm like, gosh, I couldn't even get through chapter one. I'm like, can we just close this and not pick it up again? But some of us, we, we get so hurried that our timeline, we begin to expedite our timeline. And God's wanting to do something different. And I, I, I put this quote here from the book. And John, John Mark Comer, who wrote the book, says this, but read the Bible. Satan doesn't show up as a demon with a pitchfork. And gravelly smoker voice, or as Will Ferrell with an electric guitar and fire on Saturday Night Live. See, some of y'all watch Saturday Night Live, you know what I'm talking about. I didn't write this, John Mark Comer did. He's far more intelligent than we give him credit for. Today, you're far more likely to run into the enemy in the form of an alert on your phone while you're reading your Bible. Or a multi-day Netflix binge. Or a full-on dopamine addiction to Instagram. Or a Saturday morning at the office. Or another soccer game on a Sunday. Or commitment after commitment after commitment in a life of speed. Now when we look at the promises of God and keep trusting Him, even when it's slow to be accomplished, when we live in a hurried life, we are going to battle this struggle. 
Because our life is so rapid and so fast, constantly moving, that we expect God's promises to get in rhythm with our life. But maybe God is trying to shock your rhythm. And today he's saying, trust me, I still have you. And my promise that I gave you is still going to come to pass. Just trust me. The key here is to slow your life down. Maybe just for 10 minutes a day, if you walk in and you're like, Pastor, I'm struggling with, I'm struggling with trust. I, I, I'm. Have you just paused for a few moments each day? Maybe find yourself to dedicate 10 minutes, not to read your Bible, not to spend time in prayer, just to be still. Some of you parents in the room are like, praise God, Pastor gave me permission. I'm going to tell the kids, get out of here. Follow my pastor's lead. But what if you just begin to put on some worship music to soothe the soul, to calm your mind, to get all these restless and chaotic thoughts in check? Anytime I'm having a tough day, anytime I'm having to focus, the first reaction for me is to put on worship music. Why? Because it causes me to recalibrate to where I need to be. Some of you in the room need to recalibrate and learn to make this a, a, a daily practice in your life. To say, God, I want to I continue to trust you. I need to calm all the anxiety I'm dealing with, all of the chaos I'm dealing with. I just need to learn to be still and trust you. I think the second word of encouragement she give us is when you must wait, focus on what's happening in you, not what's happening to you. See, I believe this, when something is happening to you, be sure God is trying to do something in you. I've had this same conversation with people over the years. They're like, Pastor, I just feel like I keep cycling and keep cycling and keep cycling. Well, start asking God, what lesson have I not learned in this process that would get me out of this cycle? And some of you who have broken that cycle know exactly what I'm talking about. Because we, we just hit, it's like repeat. God, it's the same struggle. It's the same battle. It's the same mountain that's staring me in the face. And God's just trying to do something in you. And you're missing it. Don't worry about what's happening to you. And I know that that's easier said than done. Begin to make sure what's happening in you is aligning to where God wants to take you. I think about this. Cohen, he likes to sleep in for the most part. And I think sometimes he'd rather Brittany and I let him stay home from school and sleep all day and have a lazy day than to get up. Some of you parents feel the same way. But my response isn't, okay, let's try again tomorrow. No, I know that he needs to learn, so he needs to to break the cycle and he needs to get in rhythm to where he needs to go. Now, he could be real upset at me that I woke him up or Brittany woke him up and we're getting ready. But what is happening in him? It's the developmental process. He's a kindergartner. It matters that he is getting his education because what's happening in his life now is going to prepare him for the future. So I don't care if he's tired. I don't care if he wants to argue with us that he wants to get out. And he's really, don't hear me, hear me right. He's really a good kid and he gets up and he'll just look at you and say, carry me, you know. Just wants you to lug him around, brush his teeth and all that. But think about if, if, if you've 
ever experienced, and I haven't experienced this, I've been on the other side of, of, of being pregnant. Just need to clarify that. No, I haven't experienced. No, women, I have, I have not gone through your pain. But do you realize being pregnant is one of the only pains you'll experience in life that isn't a reflection that something's wrong, but actually that something good is taking place in your body? But we have to begin to, to learn it's not what's happening on the outside, it's what's happening on the inside. Romans 8, 24 through 25 says this in the message version. I love this translation. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. Now here's the real truth because Brittany was pregnant with Cohen in uh, central Florida in the middle of summer was months, seven, eight, nine, whatever, the last trimester. There was a lot of pain in that process. I watched as my wife's feet began to swell and that's just a safe thing to talk about, you know. <laughs> Gotta be careful here. <laughs> but the longer she was pregnant with Cohen, the more painful it began to be. Things got hot, she began to be uncomfortable. But that didn't change the fact that we knew we were gonna become parents for the first time. There was a joy on the other end of that pain. We could have neglected the process. We, we could have despised the process because what was happening to, but it was what was happening in that you began to trust God and know that he's got something better on the other side. Now she still tries to convince me that being pregnant was fun and she wants to go again. I'm just not there yet, but I love my kids. I love holding my children and, and experiencing that joy that I have with them. James 1, 2 through 4 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whatever you face, trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Your key here is to learn the lesson. If you feel like you're on repeat, I don't like to journal, but if I was on repeat, I'm gonna journal. I'm gonna say, God, this is what you're doing in my life so that I can come back to this and realize what did I need to learn here? What am I missing here? It's like the greatest mystery novel that's yet to be written is our life. For some of us, we've stopped asking the questions, God, what are you trying to do in me? We just wanna gripe about what is happening to me. We've gotta change our perspective and trust God. And lastly, even our very best cannot possibly compare to anything that God has in mind. Isaiah 64.4 in the message, since before time began, no one has ever imagined, no ear heard, no eye seen, a God like you who works for those who wait for him. God has a greater plan for your life than the one you have for yourself. Will you trust Him? Will you wait for it? Will you begin to pray for patience, which is a dangerous prayer? Pray for perseverance, knowing that trials and difficulties are going to be in front of you. 
ask God to work his nature in you. May we become like Abram that experiences more of God and become Abraham's. May we move from being Sariah's and become Sarah's because the ha, the God to become, becomes full in us. That we become more like God and less like ourselves. That we begin to trust the maker of the universe, the one who has a far greater plan than we could craft, we could write, we could author, we could dream up. God's plan is always greater, but we have to trust him. So this morning, I'm going to ask every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed. If you're here today and you haven't begun to trust God yet, because I think the first thing we do in trusting God is to say, God, I want to have a relationship with you. Because here's where that trust falls in the place. is saying that, God, I'm going to go on a journey that I may not know anything about. I may have a lot of, of struggle that I'm bringing to the table. I may have a lot of pain and heartache that I'm bringing to the table. But I am going to trust you that when I read, when I hear that you loved me before I loved you, I'm trusting you. That's a great step of trust and faith. And if you're here today and you just say, Pastor, I need to begin that relationship. I need to begin to trust God. Nobody's looking in the room. Would you just slip your hand up? Just a moment longer. Say, Pastor, I need to begin that relationship. Can we just all pray this prayer together? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, my mistakes, my shortcomings. Help me to love you. Help me to follow you. Help me to love others. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just give some praise to Jesus this morning? Can we do that?